I'm jazz artist Brettina, and I love listening to The Alvin Galloway Show every Sunday for conversation, information, music, and culture. So stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up on The Alvin Galloway Show. How do we see our lives? Is it everything we This is The Alvin Galloway Show. And on this segment, the topic is cryptocurrency scams. Cryptocurrency is a hot item throughout this country and across the world. And there are a number of individuals who have fallen victim to scams involving cryptocurrency. And on this segment of the show, through a briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services, officials with the Federal Trade Commission will examine the various scams and how to avert being taken advantage of. And also you'll hear a personal story from an individual who was a victim of a cryptocurrency scam. This critical information can help you and your friends and family save money and save frustration. This is the Alvin Galloway Show. So stay tuned. Money, 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 money
the OJs for the love of money. Welcome to today's news briefing, co-hosted by the Federal Trade Commission and Ethnic Media Services. I'm Sandy Close, your moderator for today. Our topic is cryptocurrency scams, among the fastest growing get-rich-quick scams tracked by the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's foremost consumer protection and advocacy agency. To open the briefing, we welcome Rosario Mendez, Senior Attorney with the FTC's Division of Consumer and Business Education. She will be followed by Elizabeth Quo, who is Assistant Director of Litigation Technology and Analysis, the Bureau of Consumer Protection, and by Christina Miranda, Consumer Education Specialist, Division of Consumer and Business Education, both with the Federal Trade Commission. We will take questions from reporters following these three speakers. We will then welcome Jeffrey Volks, an elementary school teacher who will be joining us from his classroom in Memphis to share his personal experience with cryptocurrency fraud, what he lost and what he learned. We will end with a wrap-up statement by each of our speakers. And now we begin with Ms. Rosario Mendez. Rosario. Thank you, Sandy. It is truly an honor for me to welcome everyone to this briefing today. Um, I know some of you already from previous briefings and interviews. And I am happy also to see some new names and, um, and, and new outlets. Um, but I look forward to working with all of you, as so are my colleagues at the FTC, um, Liz and Christina, and others that you know from other briefings. So these briefings are so important because you really play a critical role in helping us alert people and also businesses about the rights and responsibilities in the marketplace. And at the FTC, we really want to make sure that everyone gets the information that they need to be able to make the best decisions that they can as consumers and to spot problems like scams or bad business practices and report those to us so that then we can take a look and see what is happening and, and how are, are these practices impacting communities so that we can take some action or alert people about them. Education is really the first line of defense um, when it comes to um, you know, avoiding problems in the marketplace. If people know about them, they're more likely to talk about the scam and to, to identify a problem and to avoid losing money to scammers or to you know, something that is not what they are, what they wanna get into. So it's really important to um, talk about scams and that's why these briefings are so important to us and why we're happy to keep you know, bringing information um, to you so that you can also 
then report and alert people in your community using your, you know, your outlets and, and your communication channels. Um, so again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for reporting on consumer topics and for making this uh, time to, to listen to us and uh, to make consumer information uh, an important piece of your work. Um, and for helping us, you know, working with us to help us protect people um, by giving them the information that they need. So with that, I, I will uh, introduce our first speaker, Liz, I'll pass it on to you, but I'm going to be here checking the chat. If there are any questions, I will be able to answer or reply on the chat. So I'll pass it on to Liz now. Thank you, Rosario. Um, hi, everybody. It's great to be here with you today um, and to discuss this topic. Um, I know that you'll get a more in-depth bio, uh, but just for background, um, I spent nine years with our Division of Financial Practices, uh, which is part of the Bureau of Consumer Protection at the FTC, uh, investigating um, you know, financial products and services, and which included new and emerging technologies. Um, and so, for example, cryptocurrencies fell under that, and our first case involving cryptocurrencies was as far back as 2014. And so I'm here today to give you background on cryptocurrencies, some of the terminology, and then just kind of the basics of how, you know, cryptocurrencies are created, how people store them, how people use them, and that sort of thing. Um, and then oh. I will hand it Elizabeth, if uh, just getting a note from the interpreters, speak a little more slowly. It is a new vocabulary in a way for a lot of us. So as slow, slow is good. Okay. Okay. Understood. Right. Um, I will try to go slower. And if it's not slow enough, just let me know again. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I am here to provide the basics, a very high level of the technology underlying cryptocurrencies. And I will then hand it over to Christina and she will discuss some of our data on scams involving cryptocurrencies and kind of the highlights there. So for starters, cryptocurrency is a digital currency that exists primarily electronically. And I think a lot of people hear cryptocurrency and they immediately think it's just something new. You've never heard of it. It's never existed before. However, cryptocurrency is very analogous to other forms of digital currency that you already know. For example, airline miles or rewards points on your credit cards. Uh, they function in a very similar way. They're a digital asset that you're able to transmit online. Um, cryptocurrencies are really different because of how they're created. Uh, cryptocurrencies are created uh, through a different technology that was originally created in 2009 or thereabouts. And we won't go into that because it's not terribly relevant to what you all are doing. But for understanding what cryptocurrency is, you can really think of it as analogous to digital airline miles or credit card points. So they exist online and you almost never see any physical token. Now, there are a couple exceptions to that because I'm sure some of you have heard about or maybe even seen what are called Bitcoin ATMs, uh, where you are able to get a physical card or kind of representation of your Bitcoin holdings. Uh, but those are not terribly common and they're really kind of 
unique to a particular set of people, if you will. Like, uh, for example, I think there's a lot of them in places like Puerto Rico, where these kind of communities have cropped up of people who are really interested in almost living off the grid and having this total kind of alternate community uh, based on using cryptocurrencies. But in any case, primarily all cryptocurrencies exist digitally only. So you never have you know, a physical uh, item that represents your uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, and then secondly, uh, it is meant to be a peer-to-peer -peer system. So you are sending your cryptocurrency back and forth directly to the person you're either paying or getting funds from. There is no middleman, typically. Uh, that is kind of the whole spirit of cryptocurrencies is it was meant to create a financial system where individuals could interact without having to set up accounts, without having to give over information about your identity. Uh, and so that is kind of one of the hallmarks of cryptocurrencies is that, um, you know, I am able to get cryptocurrency myself online uh, or sometimes through an ATM and then I can send it to Rosario or Christina directly. I don't have to open an account and I don't have to store it somewhere specific. I get to choose how, how I want to deal and transact with it. Now, of course, we'll get into this a little bit later, but there are centralized places now that are more user friendly, you know, places like Coinbase that you may have heard of, where you can go online and, you know, purchase different kinds of cryptocurrency. Um, and those do have kind of a central aspect. Um, I know that there are some questions in the um, chat, and I think I will kind of wait until we get towards the end of my section to address them, just because I think. Uh, cryptocurrency questions can go off the rails pretty quickly. So I want to make sure everyone gets at least the basics before we start talking about things like NFTs and um, OpenSea and whatnot. Uh, okay, so uh, speaking of different kinds of cryptocurrencies, uh, it's not just Bitcoin. I'm sure Bitcoin is probably the one you all have heard the most of, but there are lots there are lots of cryptocurrencies. Some are created on it, you know, every day there's a new one because it is based on software. And so people are creating new ones on a regular basis to be whatever it is they wanna be. Um, I think someone in the chat mentioned um, Dogecoin, D-O-G-E. That one was created as a joke. It was created off of a meme online of a, a Shiba Inu dog. I, I recognize I might be using terms none of you know anything about, but Shiba Inu is a breed of dog. It was on um, kind of this viral online meme and then somebody thought it would be really funny to turn that into a cryptocurrency uh well lo and behold and now dogecoin actually i think as of last week is worth uh four million there are four million dollars worth of dogecoin out there um and so i think it's very important to understand that there are hundreds of cryptocurrencies and some of them have very, very specific uses, um, but that also there is a lot of value. Uh, as of last week, there was 35 billion with a B like boy dollars worth of Bitcoin uh, kind of existing in the world. Um, and then that's followed closely by Ether, uh, which there's $17 billion worth of billion with a B. So I think it's just really important also to comprehend the scale of money that is being interacted here because I think it helps to, I think we all have a tendency to think of cryptocurrencies as very 
oh, that's like over there. It's this crazy thing. It's going to go away. Or maybe it's just, you know, people use it for dark web or things like that. But it really has become a very large financial um, system of its own. Um, so what are the important differences between cryptocurrencies and U.S. dollars or similar, you know, euro, that sort of thing? The first, of course, is that cryptocurrencies are not backed by a government. So whereas your U.S. dollar, you know, you have the Fed, but you also have um, insurance on your deposits, there is no such thing typically for any cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrencies just exist, um, as I'm sure you have all heard of the volatility with Bitcoin, Ether, Dogecoin. There is nobody kind of overlooking the system to make sure that, you know, the value is stable and that consumers are able to rely on it for any particular purpose. Um, and similarly, if, you know, there's a run on a particular exchange, such as Coinbase, there's no government entity that's going to step in and make sure that consumers can get their money back. Um, and then, of course, as I touched upon, the values are changing all day long. Sometimes they change on an hourly basis, but certainly day to day. You know, um, again, I'm sure you guys are all aware of the volatility, especially over this last year. We've been in this period they've termed the crypto winter. Um, you know, where Bitcoin has dropped to the low thousands, whereas it started the year I think in the mid 20s. Um, it has been as high as 60,000 for a Bitcoin, and so there is just this huge amount of volatility. And I think a lot of consumers. They may hear that out there, but they don't comprehend just how much they could have at risk. Um, and, and so it also truly means that you really can't rely on cryptocurrency as a currency to transact and trade in uh, for purchasing goods or you know, services because it's simply just not, not that stable. Um, and then we also talked about this earlier, but there is no middleman when you're using cryptocurrencies. If you choose to pay somebody in cryptocurrency, you need to think of it like cash. Um, the only way you're going to get that back is if the person sends it back to you. So um, if I accidentally send two Bitcoin to the wrong person, unless that person sends it back to me, there's nobody to help me. There's nobody that can make that person or claw it back for me. This is the Alvin Galloway Show on KRDP, and we'll be back. Programming on KRDP is supported by Native Health, located at 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C, at the southeast corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road in Phoenix. Native Health provides primary medical, dental, behavioral health, WIC, and wellness services for the urban Native American community. More information is available at 602-279-5262 or online at nativehealthphoenix.org.
There's Pink Floyd, Money. This is the Alvin Galloway Show, and we return to a briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services. Uh, and then how do people use cryptocurrencies? Um, I think first and foremost, as we've all probably heard a lot about, it's an investment um, and a speculative one at that. Uh, I think right now the real big kind of lion's share of use, if you will, of cryptocurrency is as a way to uh, gain wealth. Uh, and so a lot of people are, you know, holding Bitcoin or Ether or, you know, Ripple, whatever you want to sub in there with the hopes that the value goes up and then you can sell it. And as a matter of fact, that's what I think a lot of the more traditional financial entities are allowing their consumers to do. It's really viewed as an investment vehicle, not as a form of payment. Um, but that is kind of quick payments is supposed to be one of the great advantages of uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, you, in theory, should be able to use it to send very small amounts of money with no fees. Um, one of the great uses of Bitcoin, for example, was that you could use it for cross-border payments. The idea being that a lot of times um, you want to send, you know, just a couple of dollars if you're, you know, in a developing country, your transaction level uh, amounts are very small. You know, they're usually a couple dollars once you do the um, uh, the exchange. Um, and to do so through a traditional financial service is very expensive. But if you can do this peer-to-peer -peer system where I can just send you exactly what you need with no fees, uh, you kind of remove that difficulty of being able to send these small payments. Um, but also speed is important. Uh, the idea behind using the technology, the blockchain technology, is that I send it over, there's no middleman. So nobody is sitting there saying, okay, I now need to check your credentials. I need to, you know, I need to view all of your backup, make sure it's right, all that kind of thing. Uh, because it's based on software, it's all just self-run. And so once you hit that send button, the software runs, it does its business, and then your funds go through. Um, and then the last two are things that um, you've probably heard a little bit about as well. Uh, one is the um, anonymity of it, meaning because this is a system with no middleman, there is no uh, kind of registry of who you are and who is sending what. Now, when you do look at the ledger, which is how transactions are tracked, think of it like the... Um, well, this is really an old school reference, but you know, your checkbook has the log that you're supposed to like write down what every check you write and the amount and who it is so that you can balance your checkbook. I don't know, there's probably 70% of people on this call who have no idea what I'm talking about, but that used to be a thing where you would actually write physical checks and you would log them and balance out your checkbook to make sure you uh, had enough money. But this is the digital version of that. It's called the ledger. Every single transaction involving for example, Bitcoin is on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and when those transactions go through, certain pieces of information are recorded, such as your wallet address. It's equivalent to, say, like your uh, PayPal email address. Uh, so every transaction will have that piece of information logged. And the reason I raise that is because um, theoretically, you can analyze the blockchain data, this ledger, and start to put together uh, a picture of a person who is sending multiple transactions. Um, and so the idea that the blockchain or Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies as a sub, uh, whole class are anonymous is not 
really true. It is more anonymous than, you know, a traditional financial service, but it is still, there are still ways to kind of put together patterns and identify people, if you will. Um, and then the last one is just avoiding fees. I think that's a very basic um, kind of benefit of this system is that everybody just gets to use it. You don't have to pay anybody, you know, a fee uh, to send money back and forth. Okay. Um, and so how does cryptocurrency work? And again, this is a very high level explanation. There is a lot of underlying technical uh, jargon that we won't get into, but at a very high level, all of this is run, uh, is all based on software. Uh, and so when you wanna send money to somebody else, you either open an app on your phone, go online to, uh, to a browser window on your computer, and you, you know, choose your method. If you have the software running on your computer or you wanna to go to a website like Coinbase, pick your starting point, you go there, you access your account that has the funds in it, which is called your wallet. Uh, and then you tell it, what do you wanna do? I wanna send half a Bitcoin to Christina. Uh, and then you do that. And then in the background, after all that happens, um, this information gets added to that ledger I mentioned. And then the ledger, the software validates all the information. Again, there's a lot of work happening in the background here uh, in the software, but all of this gets validated. It usually takes about 10 minutes. Um, again, all kind of uh, passive for you as the user, but just so you kind of understand this. And then at the conclusion of that approximate 10 minutes, uh, your transaction is validated. And then the ledger has been updated to show that I sent half a Bitcoin to Christina. But in that meantime, she has also gotten her funds and you know we're all kind of on our merry way. Actually about to hit my last point, which is um, just that the whole concept of cryptocurrencies is built on this uh, underlying software that is run across all users' computers. And the magic, if you will, of this underlying technology is that all the computers are constantly updating this ledger. And so they all have to agree on the latest piece of information, which is why blockchain technology is kind of uh, shared and lauded as the possibility of the future because it can't be manipulated. Like I can't just say on my ledger, oh, no, 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 I still have, you know, the same half Bitcoin that I actually sent to Christina because all of the computers are running all of the same um, updates. And so everybody else will say, no, 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 you sent half to Christina. And so this is why that software is particularly uh, valuable, if you will, for security and validation purposes. Um, and I can turn it over to Christina now. That was a great overview. Thank you, Christina. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Christina Miranda. I'm going to share a couple of slides with you that I think you'll find quite interesting. So please allow me to just share my screen just one second. This is a very interesting data slide that we have. These are uh, figures based on fraud reports to the FTC's Consumer Sentinel Network uh, indicating uh, cryptocurrency as the payment method. And these reports are provided by Sentinel data contributors. Uh, sorry, the reports provided by Sentinel data contributors are excluded. This $1 out of every $4 reported is lost to fraud. And this is from a timeframe from January, 2021 through June, 2022. 
you'll see, for example, in 2018, um, there was just 12 million uh, reported cryptocurrency losses to scams, but that has jumped exponentially, as you can see on this slide, oops, sorry, um, to 680 million and in 2021, and also $653 million uh, worth of cryptocurrency losses to scams. This is the Alvin Galloway Show on KRDP, and we'll be back. This is Althea Long, and you're listening to the Alvin Galloway Show. Stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up. The Alvin Galloway Show Sundays for conversation, music, and culture. And tune in to the Althea Long Show. It's a music mind walk every Sunday at noon to 2 p.m. One way listeners like you can support KRDP is by becoming one of our sustaining donors. Your financial gift supports the diverse programming you hear on KRDP. It also provides opportunities for youth, interns, and members of the Valley community to learn radio broadcasting and for coverage of local arts, culture, and politics. And don't forget, your financial contribution is tax-deductible. For more information or to sign up to become a KRDP sustaining donor, call 602-254-6636 or visit our website. Listen, the number 2, krdp.com, and click on the Donate button on the top menu. We thank you for your generous support of KRDP. And without your support... Uh, the Alvin Galloway Show would not be on. And we look forward to you to continue to help us as we try to help the community. Leave her one son over a stack. Little boogie down, basic and she back, back to back. Oh, you mean back to whack? Back to back. Me and Trissy laughed at that. They say numbers don't matter, but when they discussing the kings, they turn around and say LeBron ain't got six rings. I never signed a 360, but you wild dumb. That's why Jane Claire's verse for your album. Shanae, you a fraud committing perjury. 
got before and after pictures of your soldier. I took you to her dock, but you don't look like rock. Left the operating table, still look like nah. Cause I don't need no fraud. I don't need no drama when you call. I don't need no lies. No fraud. Nicki Minaj. This is the Alvin Galloway Show, and we return to a briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services. On this next slide, you will see the top cryptocurrency scams by total reported loss. Uh, The top ones being investment-related fraud at $785 million. Next is followed by romance scams at $220 million. And then we also have business imposters and government imposters with $121 million and $56 million in total reported losses. Um, Once again, these figures are based on fraud reports to the FTC's Consumer Sentinel Network from January 2021 through June 2022. And this indicates cryptocurrency as the payment method. Uh, the, I should add that the investment-related fraud category includes uh, subcategories such as art, gems, and rare coin investments, investment seminars and advice, stocks and commodity futures trading, miscellaneous investments as well. You might be asking why have cryptocurrency scams taken off? Uh, The basic reason behind this is that there is, as Liz mentioned, no bank or centralized authority on this. A lot of these transactions that happen are irreversible. Um, There's also a lot of people are getting scammed because they are unfamiliar with how cryptocurrency really works. So they also jump in with lots of enthusiasm around crypto investing, and there's this fear of missing out on something that they believe can make them a lot of money. Um, We also note that social media and crypto is a a very combustible combination um, that tends to lead people into uh, becoming scammed. So let me just talk briefly on how to avoid cryptocurrency scams. Um, As we know, scammers are constantly finding ways to steal money. Um, So a sure sign of a scam is basically if you see a tweet or a text, email, or a message on social media that from anyone that says you have to pay with cryptocurrency by wire transfer, gift card, uh, they're always going to be a scammer. If you pay with these methods, there's almost no way to get the money back, which is what scammers are mostly counting on. So remember, again, Uh, If someone sees a tweet or a text email or social media message that tells them to pay with cryptocurrency, that is always a scam. Let me just jump in quickly into the types of cryptocurrency scams as mentioned in the data slides that we saw. Um, We're seeing, as we mentioned, an alarming growth of reported cryptocurrency losses to scams, and the biggest one is investment-related fraud or investment uh, scams. And this usually happens when you come across a company or a person that promises earning lots of money in a short time to achieve financial freedom. And they share a lot of these common signs, which are fake promises to make lots of money 
in a short amount of time and also a lot of false guarantees or zero risks. So what we like to say to people to spot the companies and the people to avoid that are doing this, you need to look for the claims that scammers make. Those claims are that scammers will guarantee that you will make money. Um, they'll promise that you will make a profit and that's usually a scam, even if it's accompanied by a celebrity endorsement or some type of testimonial because a lot of those endorsements or testimonials can be easily faked. Another uh, type of claim is that the scammers will promise big payouts with guaranteed returns, but no one can guarantee that you will make money or get a set return, uh, much less on a very short amount of time. Scammers are also very good at promising free money. They'll promise it in cash or cryptocurrency, but free money promises are always fake. And lastly, with another claim, is that scammers will often make claims without a lot of details or explanations. Um, so no matter what the investment is, we always like to tell people to please do their research to understand how it works and ask questions about where their money is going. Honest investment managers and advisors will want to share that type of information and will always back it up with details. Now, another particular type of investment scam, although it can go two ways, is romance scams or online dating scams. And these are when scammers contact them on online dating sites or apps and they start telling stories to try to tap into the emotions of the people that they are targeting. They start charming people, uh, talking about wealth, sophistication. Uh, they try to make that meaningful connection. And then what we've seen is that they start giving advice and start offering help with cryptocurrency investing. Um, and then they'll often ask for money. Um, if you send them cryptocurrency, they'll help you invest. The thing is here is that if someone that you haven't met in person messages you um, a money request on a dating site or an app demanding that you send cryptocurrency, the money will typically be gone and you usually cannot get it back. The next one I want to briefly touch on is business and government impersonator scams. So what we're seeing with impersonator scams are scammers sending unexpected texts impersonating well-known companies like Amazon or a security alert might pop up on some person's computer that looks like it's a message from a company like Microsoft. What happens is if you click on a link on any of the text, or if you call the number on that pop-up, you'll be connected to a scammer that tells you about fraud on, the, on your account and that your money is at risk. And other scammers like to impersonate government agencies and will say well, that your accounts or benefits will be frozen 
as part of some type of an investigation. We've also seen reports of scammers who will call impersonating a local utility company uh, with some problem. They might often say also that you won the lottery or some sort of a prize, uh, but you need to pay to obtain this type of prize. They will often demand that people withdraw money uh, from their bank, uh, their investments, or their retirement accounts to protect their money by paying them with cryptocurrency to resolve whatever issue that they're calling about. Um, in a twist that I often like to say that is similar to gift, gift card scams, sometimes these scammers will tell the people to stay on the phone and direct them to a store with a cryptocurrency ATM machine. Then they will be instructed while they're still on the phone with the scammer to insert money into that machine to pay. Um, they'll be told to send the cryptocurrency bought on the crypto ATM by scanning a sort of QR code that is sent to them by the scammers. But obviously the QR code will lead right into the scammers wallets. And by that time, the money is gone. I just wanna briefly touch also on two other types of cryptocurrency scams uh, that we do see that didn't really pop up on the top ones, but they're worth mentioning because we have seen them in the past. That is job scams. As for job scams, some scammers might list uh, fake jobs on websites or send unsolicited job offers to help uh, recruit cryptocurrency investors sell cryptocurrency, mine cryptocurrency, or basically help them with converting cash to Bitcoin or another digital currency. And they will promise people a job, but only if you pay them first um, and uh, pay a fee first. And they'll end up usually taking the person's money and the person's uh, personal information. The final type of cryptocurrency scam that I wanna mention is also blackmail emails. We haven't seen them as often, but this was pretty prevalent um, when we started tuning into cryptocurrency type scams. This basically happens when a scammer sends an email or a letter saying that they have embarrassing or compromising photos, uh, videos, or some type of personal uh, information about them. And then they threaten to make it public unless they are paid in cryptocurrency. And what we uh, would like to tell people is that this is obviously blackmail in a criminal extortion attempt. And it's very, very important to report it to the FBI immediately. So where do you go to report all these types of scams? Right here on this slide, you go to reportfraud.ftc.gov Report fraud is also available in Spanish at reportefraude.ftc.gov. It's very important to report fraud, especially in the various communities across the United States and in Puerto Rico, um, because this is how we can help each other uh, see what types of fraud and scams are happening in these communities so that we can try to do something to stop it. I will say as well, as much as it is important 
to report fraud to us at the Federal Trade Commission, you should also report this type of fraud, cryptocurrency scams, to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission at cftc.gov slash complaint. You can also report it to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission at sec.gov slash tcr. It's also important to tell people that if they have become, uh, if, if they have uh, a cryptocurrency loss, that they should also report it to the cryptocurrency exchange company that they used to send the money in the first place. I do want to mention briefly that the data that you saw um, is easily, you can easily find it at our Consumer Protection Data Spotlight. You can subscribe to this data and take a look at it at ftc.gov spotlight. We also have many resources available at ftc.gov slash cryptocurrency. In Spanish, it would be ftc.gov slash criptomoneras. You can also get alerts to sign up for the latest cryptocurrency scams at ftc.gov slash consumer alerts. And please download and share our materials as widely as possible. They are available at consumer.ftc.gov. And now I'm going to hand back this uh, presentation uh, back to Sandy and Rosario. Christina, thank you. I think, uh, thank you so much. I think our number one question is the communities your data show are most vulnerable or are being targeted particularly. Um, who is getting the brunt or feeling the brunt of the cryptocurrency scams? So I think um, a lot of these questions have been, uh, I, I think one thing that's really important to uh, kind of articulate when it comes to cryptocurrency scams is that a lot of times cryptocurrency is just either the payment method or the lure for the scam, but that these scams are the tried and true scams, whether it's a romance scam or a blackmail scam or a uh, investment opportunity scam. The underlying scam is the same that we've been seeing, you know, for as long as the FTC has been in existence. It's just that cryptocurrency is now the additional layer that is feeding off of, as um, Christina put it, FOMO. Um, you know, you're able to advertise cryptocurrency as a way to get people's attention. Um, and so I want to mention that because I think a lot of times people are getting tripped up when they talk about cryptocurrency scams uh, because they think that there is something particularly unique about cryptocurrencies that are causing the spike in scams. But really, the reason cryptocurrency complaints are spiking is just because it is now the prevalent payment method that is being used in these scams. Um, and so in terms of population, what we are seeing is that the young youth, meaning 18 to, I believe, 35, um, as well as minority populations have been reporting the most losses. And we think that that is because those populations also coincide 
uh, well with people who traditionally are outside the traditional financial ecosystem. You know, they typically don't have bank accounts. They are not, they're otherwise unbanked or underbanked as we call it. And so they are the most kind of open to using these new and emergent payment technologies. Uh, because again, whether it's because they don't have a ton of um, uh, resources to uh, be using bank accounts or credit cards or debit cards, um, or because they also just don't want to, you know, especially with young people, there is a narrative that uh, bank accounts are and banks in general are not there for them. You know, banks are for rich people. Banks are not kind of offering services in the way that you need them. And so that also is the same, I think, with we found my, uh, minority groups is that um, similarly, they are kind of outside this traditional world of financial services. And so um, they're falling prey to the scams because they're more eager to use these new products that are available uh, to kind of get the services they haven't traditionally had access to. But I think it also means that they're at risk because they don't fully comprehend all of the differences between, for example, cryptocurrencies and U.S. dollars. Uh, yes. Yeah, Critical, uh, thank you so much for all the responses. You are uh, entering into the chat box. I think uh, a sort of generic question, Henrietta Burroughs, you wanted to ask, which is, and several others on the chat have also asked, if, if cryptocurrency is sort of off the grid, what is the government's position, and I'm thinking particularly of the IRS, how how do cryptocurrency uh, investments get taxed? Uh, how does the government view uh, the cryptocurrency uh, landscape? Uh, so obviously that is a very, uh, a very complex and deep uh, set of answers, um, you know, much like my responses don't represent the views of the commissioners of the FTC, I'm also not going to uh, kind of project my answers on behalf of certainly not the entire government nor the, you know, and certainly not the IRS. What I can tell you is that the IRS currently uh, taxes these items, um, these assets as physical property. So the same as you would tax a car or something like that. There's obviously been a lot of conversation about um, that changing and how they would change that, uh, but it's it's a very complex discussion uh, with respect. And then the reason this is also very complicated is because again, there's a difference between cryptocurrency as a currency and cryptocurrency as an investment. Um, and of course, when you start talking about investments, there is the uh, SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission that gets involved. Um, and so there's a, been a lot of activity over this last year regarding cryptocurrencies that have been uh, potentially offered as unregistered securities. And I'm not a securities lawyer, and that is not what we do here at the FTC, so I won't kind of go into that. But I flag that because it just shows you with any one even sentence, you could be triggering many federal agencies and their jurisdictions. Um, in terms of how the government views the cryptocurrency landscape, there is, um, was issued, I believe earlier this year, maybe late last year, an executive order from the current administration for all of the federal agencies um, to collaborate and 
start putting out reports about the responsible innovation of digital assets, but also to have a more coordinated regulatory environment for the innovation of any digital assets. Um, and so that is kind of the current status of you know any federal government response. And I can tell you it's um, there's a lot of uh, reports being asked from this executive order, and they are very actively being worked on. And it is it is a lot of work um, being put into it. Um, so that's kind of where things stand. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, Julia uh, Dudley if you have question for our speakers. Thank you so much. Um, I do appreciate this forum so much because in the black community, we see this as, well, victims are trying to use this as extra cash and it's into a multi-level marketing scheme. So I'm concerned about that part. And the reason why I brought up the NFTs because now that's being used as a method to draw people in, especially black artists, and now being used into a multi-level marketing scheme. I've had family members, not directly in my family, but from nieces or nephews and so forth that have been scammed thousands of dollars. So I was just wondering on what part would they be able to report? I'm glad you answered that about the Coinbase and how, because there's people that have been trying to withdraw their money from that and can't get their money from that. But what part of a multi-leveling part of the scam should they report on that? Or would they report on just the cryptocurrency or just the NFT? There's so many different facets to this, even to fake websites for NFTs. Thank sure. You. So it's very, I understand, a very complicated thing to figure out where you even start to try and get help. I think that the first step is to, if you are using some sort of centralized platform to do your transaction, start by contacting them. But then beyond that, we really, really, really recommend um, sending complaints to the FTC as well as to um, your state attorney general. And I would say the advice is don't try to separate it out and just send me the part because A, all of the information is relevant for our in, uh, investigations, but also we all um, collaborate and do a lot of intra-agency communication. And so if we get, let's say, a rash of complaints about OpenSea, but you know, let's say we determine, hey, this is not for us, we will be able to send it to the appropriate body to say, hey, this is more in your wheelhouse. Um, and so I think the best path forward is to, of course, uh, contact whatever platform it is that you may have been operating on. If there wasn't one, you know, come straight to the FTC and then your local and state uh, agencies as well. Um, you know, we really recommend just kind of filing your complaint uh, as soon as possible, but kind of as many places as possible and don't try to figure out you know, hey, this part is best suited for these people. Thank you so much. Okay, we have a question from Peter White in Memphis. Peter, do you want to ask your question? Um, actually, I I think it was answered in the chat, but I was just curious about. Uh, can you hear me? I've turned on my mic, but I do. I are you, are you hearing me, Candy? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, the the thing about it not being stable and a ri get rich quick scheme. So uh, El Salvador is a poor country, right? So so did they go into this national experiment to get rich quick, or or did they abandon it because it wasn't stable and um, 
And the answer was, if I can stroll back, well, um, uh, Elizabeth, can you just answer that for everybody else? I was happy with your answer. <laughs> sure. Well, and again, please, um, this is my kind of educated answer to this in the sense of uh, I am not a macroeconomist. And so there are a lot of other reasons. So El Salvador, for those who don't know, decided to make um, a cryptocurrency their national currency. So it would be as if the, U the United States decided to say, hey, instead of uh, using your dollar, go ahead and use only USDC, which, again, is something that has been pitched. Um, so but El Salvador decided to kind of go ahead and try this out. Um, but it kind of uh, lasted, I don't know, maybe half a year or so, and then really started to melt down. Um, so typically, and based on what I have been able to read about it, and admittedly, I've not delved a ton into this, but, you know, trying to use uh, cryptocurrency as a currency comes with all of the same issues as a, kind of a traditional currency. You know, it has to be stable. There has to be enough of it in circulation. You have to be able to access it when you need it and you need to be able to rely on its value. And I think that all of those things fell apart pretty quickly. And somebody else asked a question about. Um, how does cryptocurrency hold its value? Well, as we've seen, it doesn't hold its value at a very steady rate, right? It jumps up and down a lot because, again, I think there is this huge population that is using all of these as uh, speculative investment tools. And so on any one given day, you know, you could have somebody who holds, you know, 100 Bitcoins and then for that day, then everything is nice and stable. But then tomorrow, if that person decides, hey, I don't want to hold this anymore and, you know, sells it all away, well, then you could cause this panic and then everybody starts to sell their Bitcoin and then the value plummets, right? And then if you were the people who were trying to use Bitcoin to buy your groceries, all of a sudden your Bitcoins are no longer worth what they were worth two hours ago. And so you can't buy your groceries and you could kind of see the snowball effect there. But again, this is just my very like layman's explanation of what is going on here. Um, so yeah, Thank I you. think that primarily it's stability. Thank you, Elizabeth. We are joined now by Jeffrey Vokes, who is calling in from his classroom in Memphis to share his story and put a kind of human face on this very rapidly and very dangerously growing scam. Uh, Mr. Volks, thank you so much for joining us. Can you thank share you your story with us? Great, go ahead. Thank you, I'm sorry that I'm late. Uh, it's just a, the life of being a, a teacher and all of my students are um, in wheelchairs. They are adaptive uh, skills students. So uh, it was a crazy day today, but nevertheless, um, my experience, uh, I guess, you know, I was just online, um, just, uh, on Facebook, saw, uh, on, on Facebook, I saw one of my friends, uh, one of my Facebook friends, who's actual a musician, uh, you know, I'm a musician on weekends and I saw him, um, then who I thought it was him, uh, posts, you know, how he was making all of this money on Bitcoin and he was thanking this guy who helped him and he was 
the investor and you know and i was like wow you know and i didn't think anything about it and then i saw him post again maybe a week or so later i was like man boy he's really making a lot of money and <laughs> so uh, of course you know uh you know your first man is like no that can't be true so i inboxed him i didn't have his number you know we were just mutual facebook friends you know i see him from time to time playing here and there but i i'm not his you know friend that i could call him up so i inboxed him and uh of course uh his facebook page was hacked you know i found this out later but he's like, yeah, yeah, hit him up, you know, yeah, it's 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 legitimate, you know, it's not it's not fake. So I did, and um, I hit the man up, and uh, he said, I see that you hit me up. What, what, how can I help you? You know, and I was like, okay, you know, and I say I was I saw the investments, and I I was interested in um, investing, and uh, he said, well, I suggest that you you know start off with a thousand dollars. I said, I can't do that. I want to start off with 500. So we did that. And a few days later, he's, I think this was like maybe a, on a Saturday, maybe a Friday or something, but he said, Monday we'll start. So Monday it was, and he hit me up later and he said, did you check your account? I had to, I had to actually uh, set up an, uh, an account. Uh, he gave me the website, you know, and um, just being mean, you know, I was trying to Google it to see if there was any kind of fraud, any kind of reviews, and I couldn't find anything. And the website looked legitimate. You know, it had all of the numbers, all of the graphs. I was like, okay, this got to be right. This got to be real, you know. Uh, so, but you know, there are always questions in the back of your head, you know, because I was like, so should I set up this account? He was like, no, you're going to do, uh, you're going to cash out me this link. So that was like the first thing in retrospect. I was like, okay, so that's so in, instead of setting up that account, I had to uh, cash out him that link, and he did all of the work. So, so he said, did you check your account? So I went back. All I had to do was just uh, put in my name and, and password, and he did everything else, and it showed. My $500 investment had gone up to $8,000. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was excited. And, and he was like, all right, so all you have to do is email the, these people. And there's going to be like a one-time charge for you to get your money out. I was like, okay. And it was like, oh, it's going to be little or nothing. And then uh, when they emailed me back, it was like maybe another 500. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, of course, you know, I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Um, so, uh, to, I guess to make a long story short, uh, after that, um, I'm, all of the red flags came up and, um, and I went back to my friend's page after I had done all of that. And I saw that one of our other mutual friends says, don't pay attention to that. This is a, you know, this is a hoax or whatever his page that's been hacked. So. I had to start Googling to see what I needed to do uh, to report this guy so that he wouldn't hurt anyone else. So I started Googling um, how to report, you know, cryptocurrency fraud. And I found a few sites and I posted everything. And luckily, I screenshot every message that he um, sent me. That was just 
you know, me being me, just making sure that I had some kind of track record in case this was uh, a hoax in which it was. So I, um, yeah, screenshot every message and I uh, emailed them and they responded and they just told me that, you know, you're not going to get your money back, but we can, you know, investigate. And I was like, okay. So at least I wanted to be uh, that person, that advocate for those that saw him or saw someone like him, you know, it's so, um, so, it's so easy to get involved, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in that. Uh, so now they're, you know, uh, hacking people in it that are your mutual friends and, you know, and you're thinking it's your friend, your mutual friend, but it's not. And so you just have to be careful about that. Well, a quick couple of questions and thank you. First of all, one of our reporters wants to know what is your title? Are you an educator, elementary school teacher? How do you want to be described? I am. Uh, I, I, I'm a, a first and second grade elementary teacher, special education. In special education in Memphis. Second, yes. how much money did you actually lose on this scheme? And the red flag, the first red flag was that they asked you for more money that's what? correct that's okay. correct now so well i you know my my antenna was up all the time i'm like jeff are you doing this you know it's fraud that was in the back of my head but i'm like I'm, i just gotta take this risk you know but yeah the the true red flag was when i received the money he showed told me to check my account and he said all right well you're gonna have to pay um some more money to get this funds released you know to to right. uh, go straight to your cash out. So that was uh, my next red flag. Well, I guess the initial red flag. Yeah. So in all, um, I lost uh, like a thousand dollars. Well, can I tell you that you've given us a great gift with your personal story because nothing brings home the reality of this as a personal story can. Let me go to each of our speakers now for a wrap-up comment. And I guess what the most critical question and how do you compare cryptocurrency fraud within the larger scheme of things? How dangerous is cryptocurrency fraud? And are you seeing this as the fastest growing uh, sort of uh, scam, trending in scams, just how would you describe it? And what would you want us to have in our headlines to warn people about this? And maybe I'll start with Rosario, then go to Elizabeth, Christina, and Jeffrey. Sure, just really quickly, I will say well, we will definitely have seen a growth on the uh, amount of reports that we're getting on cryptocurrency scams. So, so certainly uh, the, the problem has grown. So we've seen it from, you know, uh, 
between 2018 and, and then 2022, Christine, I gave those statistics earlier. I think the most important thing um, that people can do is to talk about this um, uh, with others so that people are aware that this is happening, to share stories like Mr. Volk's story, for example, that are real stories. This is not just the FTC saying people are reporting to us, but there's really people out there that are being hurt by this. And, um, and yeah, it's really important to report it so that we know what's happening, we can do something about it, and we can alert others um, about the problems. Okay, great. Elizabeth, yeah, I will, experience I, will, <laughs> um, I will echo what Rosario said. Certainly, there's been a growth um, in terms of how dangerous it is. I think it's just like anything that's new and shiny. You know, first there was peer-to-peer uh, -peer payment systems, crowdfunding, now it's cryptocurrency. There's always going to be something new um, that becomes innovated, especially now that technology is so accessible. I would say the number one thing to do, um, and this ties in with what Pilar um, posted in the chat, is we have found that really a lot of this is starting with an unsolicited message. And I think that that is like one of the most critical things you can pick up on is if you are getting a message unsolicited and it involves any type of money, your red flags should immediately be up, whether it's a phone call, a text message, a tweet, a Facebook post, anything. So but what unsolicited messages? Christina, your final word on this. You know, it's it's basically what Rosario and Liz were saying, but I will say this, you know, our general advice is that if you see a tweet, a text or email or some type of message on social media, especially one that tells you to pay with cryptocurrency, know that it's always a scam. If you're interested in an investment type of opportunity, um, just know that a lot of these scams start off, start off with tips or secrets on like online message boards, um, there's always not going to be a whole lot of detail about what you're investing in because scammers are always trying to get you to be emotionally invested in it and almost do like a fast yes and a slow no, uh, okay. if you know what I mean. So that's our advice. And also please report it to reportfraud.ftc.gov, uh, which is where you can report cryptocurrency scams. Great. And Mr. Bo. There is a request from Memphis, from uh, one of your local media for a photo of yourself, a still shot. If, if there's any way you could send us a photograph so we can share that with the Tennessee Tribune, we would be very grateful. And what is your, what would you tell your class, even though they're very young, what is your warning about cryptocurrency fraud? <laughs> Please pay attention to what you're doing. Um, I, and I can kind of echo with what one of your guests said. Uh, you know, it seems like every week now that I'm getting some kind of inbox saying, hey, have you heard? Have you heard? You know, and, and these are my friends. And I'm like, man, this is a hoax. You know, so, so it's really, really uh, prevalent now more so than ever. So I would be um, cautious of uh, who I speak with on Facebook, particularly through Messenger. So be careful. Well, thank you. And thank you for this very, very important seminar and news briefing on cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency fraud. Thank you to the FTC, our longtime colleagues and partners, 
and to our reporters and to Mr. Bo. I think your students want you back. Thank you. <laughs> you have been listening to a briefing hosted by Ethnic Media Services. We thank Ethnic Media Services that continues to bring us pertinent information that affects our lives every day. This is the Alvin Galloway Show. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and also to check out our podcast. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast shows. Remember, today is a great day to make somebody's day great. We'll see you next week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Alvin Galloway Show podcast. We hope you like our show. And if you do, we hope that you will show your support by sharing our podcast with others and also supporting us monetarily. No donation is too small. We thank you again and we'll see you on the next show.